bunch. We've sang it a couple times before. Um, it's one of my favorite songs. If I can't get through it, just sing really loud. The Holy Spirit just speaks to me so much through this song. No matter where you've been, God will do everything he can to get to you, to call him to yourself. So sing along with us. The words will be up on the screen again.
meetings with Charles filling in for Nick, who's out of town. And as always, Brandon sounds great. Thank you guys so much. So happy Easter, everybody. And Easter is when followers of Jesus celebrate um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he came back from the dead. That's what we celebrate at Easter. And you might be thinking, Alex, is it really a resurrection? Did Jesus really come back to life? Is he really alive? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe a dead man came back to life? I mean, it's not like we walk into a funeral and people are, like, making bets at the door. You know, it's like, I'll put 50 bucks on this person coming back to life before the end of the funeral. That doesn't happen, right? We, we just don't assume that people come back to life. So you might be asking yourself, Alex, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that someone came back to life, that 2,000 years ago there was a Jewish rabbi named Jesus, and he was killed and executed by the Roman government, and then he was dead for three days and came back to life. Can you really believe that is true? Uh, I mean, I think we all struggle sometimes to believe things that we haven't seen, right? We think, wow, can I really believe something I haven't seen? This is why we have people who, who are like, you know what, I think the earth is flat. Because they're like, I can't be brown, you know, or you have people who say, we never went to the moon because I wasn't there, I didn't see it. We always have people who say, if I haven't seen something, I'm not going to believe it. And sometimes when we even see things, uh, you can go ahead and put up the next slide there, Dave. Sometimes even when we see things, um, go one more to the, uh, the picture of the rabbit duck. Sometimes even when we see things, uh, we're like... Uh, we think we know what we're seeing, but sometimes we can't even trust our own eyes. You know, if you look at this one way, it looks like a rabbit. But if you look at it from another direction, it looks like a duck. And sometimes, just even using our eyes, you can't trust what we see. And so, you might think, Alex, so you didn't see the resurrection. And even if you had seen it, you might be confused about it or not sure about what you've seen. So do you really believe that Jesus came back from the dead? And I do. And I want to give you just a couple reasons. This isn't all the reasons about why I do and then what I think that means for our lives. Um, the first reason is we actually meet for services on Sunday. All across America, all across the world, people worship on Sunday. The early church, the first followers of Jesus Christ, they were used to worshiping on Saturday. That's what they were used to. But it changed. They started worshiping on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. So all over the world, as people gather on Sunday in the name of Jesus, it's a testimony to the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. So, you know, the church has done a lot of stupid things. Christians, people in the name of Jesus, have done a lot of stupid things. But you know what? Here 2,000 years later, there's still people that get together all over the world on Sunday as an example, as a testimony to the fact that Jesus is alive. People saw him alive, and then they told people about it, and they started getting together on Sunday to celebrate the fact that he was alive. And now here we are 2,000 years later, still getting together on Sundays all across the world to celebrate him being alive. And the second reason I think that there was actually a resurrection was because of the disciples. The disciples, all except one, were killed for their testimony that Jesus was alive. Now, sometimes I'll pull April Fool's jokes or just jokes in general on my sister. I love terrorizing my little sister. And um, she's not so little anymore, but I still terrorize her. I love to pull pranks on her. And I remember one time when uh, she was sharing an apartment with me after... Uh, she had moved out of my parents' house, and um, 
I got home early and I parked my car down the street so she wouldn't know that I was there. She usually got home before me and I like left the door open and had the water running and spooky music on. I just love to terrorize my sister. And uh, it's fun to terrorize your siblings if you have a sibling. Uh, but you know what? When she went to call the police, I was like, okay, we're taking it too far. It's time to let her know that I was just kidding, right? So these are disciples who were something brutally killed for this story that Jesus had come back to life. Why would they do that? Why would they suffer through that if they had just made it up? See, we think, well, you know, they wanted the fame, right? Well, no, most of them died in far-off places in obscurity. They wanted the money. Well, the early church wasn't about big, glamorous buildings and money, so there wasn't that. All they got for telling the story of Jesus being alive was death and pain and trouble. And so that's one of the reasons that I believe in the resurrection. And the last one I'm going to share today is Christianity is just stupid if Jesus didn't come back to life. I mean, that's just honest. Have you looked at the things that Jesus taught? They're just crazy. Like he says things like love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that persecute you. If someone steals your coat, see if they want your jacket, your shirt. You know, see if you can give them something else as well. This is just crazy. Jesus is insane unless he came back to life. If he came back to life, we're going to have to take seriously everything he said, even the things that we don't like or the things that are confusing or the things that really make us feel uncomfortable. And so I feel like if Jesus didn't come back to life, well, he... It's just, it's, Christianity is just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's just, uh, it's probably the dumbest religion in the world if Jesus didn't come back to life because of the things that Jesus said and taught. And some people say, well, Jesus taught a nice way to live and he doesn't have to be God. He doesn't have to come back to life. Uh, but Jesus said things about himself. He said, you know, I and God the Father are one. And so if he didn't come back to life, then that means that he was a liar or he was crazy. And how can we trust the rest of his teachings? The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 and 14, he says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is a waste, and so is your faith. So the Apostle Paul recognized that if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, Christianity is a waste of your time. And so if you say, I can't get past this, this is the starting point for everything else in Christianity. Now for the rest of the message, I want you to go with me for a minute and imagine if Jesus is resurrected. You say, hey, I might have questions, I might struggle with this, I might have some issues and some things to work through and think about and I'm not sure about. But let's just talk for a minute. If Jesus is alive, if he did come back to life, if he was executed by the Roman government, as all historians agree, but then he came back to life, what does that mean for us? And I think the first thing it means is nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. If Jesus came back to life, that fundamentally changes the rules of this world. Anything is possible now. If Jesus is alive, there's nothing that's impossible. Anything could happen. You know, I love a movie or a story that has a good twist to it. Has anyone ever seen the, uh, the movie The Prestige? It's got Michael Caine in it. And uh, anyways, it's about these magicians and these illusionists. And there's this one guy, you follow his story through the whole movie, and you're never going to want to see it now because they're going to blow the twist ending for you. But it has this great twist where at the end, you find out he had a twin all along. And so he's been pulling off these tricks where you're like, 
how does he teleport? And people are like, how can he be in both places at once? And all this comes together. And at the end, you realize, oh, there's been two of them. And they've kept this hidden ever since they were children so that they could stage this elaborate illusion and elaborate hoax. That kind of twist changed everything about that movie for me. Because I was watching it, I'm like, this is weird, this is weird, I get to the end. I watched the twist immediately, I'm like, I gotta go back and watch that again. Because it changed what happened before, and it changes how I look at the movie. The resurrection is the plot twist to reality. If the resurrection is real, it's the biggest twist that could ever happen in our universe. It changes everything that happened before in history, and everything that's happened since. It changes everything in your past, and it can change everything in your future. It's the twist that changes everything. If the resurrection is possible, if the resurrection happens, anything can happen. There's no rules anymore. Every bet is off the table. Anything could happen. And so that brings me to the passage I want to look at today in uh, Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And the Apostle Paul again says this, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. You say, what, what is he saying there, Alex? He's saying, look, if God used the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead, and that spirit's now working in you, the same supernatural person that created this miracle that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in your life and in your relationships and in your workplace and in your community and in your problems. The Holy Spirit, this part of the Trinity, is now at work in your life in the same way he was at work at the resurrection. And so if nothing is impossible, and now this person who created this moment that changed history, the Holy Spirit, is at work in your life, anything is possible now in your life. That situation where you think, this is never going to get fixed, this is never going to change, nothing is impossible for God. Or that relationship you think, I'd love to be in a long-term relationship, or maybe I'd love to be married. I'd love to have a wife or I'd love to have a husband. And you think that's never going to happen. With the Holy Spirit, anything is possible. Maybe you think about that career or that dream or that, that thing that you just want to accomplish so much and you think it's impossible. I've given up. It can't happen. With the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. The dead are coming back to life. Anything can happen. And so you say, Alex, so how do I get the Holy Spirit? Like, if I want this same supernatural power that raised Jesus from the dead, this same supernatural person working in my life, how does that come about? In the book of Acts, it tells us what the disciples did shortly after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. And in Acts 2.38, Peter's speaking, one of Jesus' followers, and he says, here's what you need to do. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about these words here just for a minute. Peter tells us to repent and be baptized. Um, what is this idea, what is this word of repentance? You know, it's kind of one of those words that we use in the Bible, but it's not a word that we use in everyday language. Like you don't walk around and you say, you have so hurt my feelings, you better repent. Or you're driving down and you cut somebody off, and you go, I must repent of that act. You know, you just don't say that. It's this weird Bible word that we don't use in everyday life. So what does it mean to repent? Um, a few weeks ago, I was able to take Darby for her birthday down to 
the Maryland Zoo. I think we have a picture of being at the Maryland Zoo. And she was able to fulfill her bucket list item of touching a penguin. She got to pet a penguin. And she was so excited. And so we left the Maryland Zoo. I've never been to Baltimore before. And uh, I didn't know where I was going. And I had a GPS, but I don't listen to it because I'm not very smart. And so I was driving along. And it said, you know, take a left. And so I took a right. And I start driving in the wrong direction. And the GPS is like, making you turn, making you turn, making you turn. That's what it means to repent. It means making a U-turn. And so there was a moment where I heard what it said and I realized I was going the wrong direction, but I couldn't find a spot to turn around. And so it just kept saying to me, make a U-turn. And I'm like, I know I'm going the wrong way, but I don't know how to turn around and start going the right way. Repentance is not just knowing you're going the wrong way, but actually actively turning around and getting on the right way. And I turned around and it's like, okay, recalculating. We're getting you back on track. You're now headed the right direction. A few months before that, I was up in New York City and uh, not very familiar with the New York City subway line and I got on the wrong train. Have you ever done this maybe in Philly, maybe in New York, or maybe somewhere else, and I got on the wrong train. It doesn't matter how fast you run on that train. If the train's heading in the wrong direction, you're still going to end up at the wrong destination. I could run as fast as I wanted in that train car back to where I needed to be, but it continued to head in the wrong direction. What I needed to do was get off the train and get on the train headed in the right direction. That's what it talks about here when it's talking about repenting. Um, it mentions here the word sin. Once again, that's such a Bible word, right? Sin. No one goes around and talks about sin unless it's in some kind of church context, right? Some kind of spiritual context. We don't talk about sin in our everyday language. Your boss doesn't come in and say, well, you sinned on these reports. Really messed them up. You know, they just don't say that. So what is sin? The Bible describes it in all of us as this self-destructive tendency to want our own way. And this self-destructive tendency always destroys relationships. It hurts our relationships with other people, and it hurts our relationship with God. And that's the very reason that Jesus Christ came into the world. He came into the world and was not punished for what he did, but he was punished in our place to trade the worst part of us, our sin, for the best part of him, his relationship with God. And so when we, re when we repent, when we make this U-turn, what we say is, you know what, on my own, there's been a lot that's impossible. On my own, there's a lot I can't do. I've got this destructive tendency to do things on my own way. On my own, I can't make it. And so when we repent, what we're saying is, I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus to help me. I can't do it on my own. I need this supernatural person, Jesus, to come in. He came back from the dead. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. I need him to come and help me. And it's interesting here, Peter says, not only to cry out to Jesus and to repent and say, Lord Jesus, save me, but he says, then take a step of faith and be baptized. You know, it's one thing, like I said, to recognize that you're going the wrong direction, but baptism is taking a step in the right direction. It's the first step as a follower of Jesus saying, you know what? I want everyone to know that I'm going to live and love like Jesus. This is a public confession that from now on, Jesus is with me. Nothing's going to be impossible for him. And I want to live and love people like he did. And so that's what Peter says. He says, if you do this, if you make this U-turn, uh, you know, this, this spiritual U-turn, and tell Jesus that you need him, he says, then this same supernatural person that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in your life. 
and does it work in your family's life, and does it work in your community and your workplace? All bets are off. Anything can happen. Nothing is impossible. You know, the things that are impossible for you alone, with you and Jesus, those things are possible. So many times we try to do things on our own, and we wonder why the results turn out badly. Or we try to do things in our own purposes and for our own plans, and we wonder why things turn out impossible. With you and Jesus, nothing is impossible. With you and Jesus, everything is possible. There's this quote I love by C.S. Lewis that said, uh, You're never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. You know, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, nothing is impossible. Anything can happen, and that means, you know what? You don't need to give up on your dream. Now, sometimes God lets our dreams die so that he can resurrect a better one. But God can take the dream, the thing that you gave up on, the habit that's so destructive that you think you'll never get over, the relationship that's so broken you think will never be restored, that, that dream that you've dreamed about so long you've just given up on, God can take those things that you think will never happen, and he can make the impossible possible. This is the God that raised a dead man from the grave. That God is at work in your life and in your problems and in your plans and in your dreams if you've repented. And so you say, Alex, what do we do with this? What are, what are our takeaway questions today? What do we need to think about? Number one, do you have the spirit, the supernatural person that raised Jesus from the grave? Do you have him at work in your life? And if you say no, you can do that right now. It doesn't have to be this big fancy show. And you don't have to stand up and make a big deal. But you say simply, Lord Jesus, on my own, I'm trying to do things and I mess it up. On my own, I've tried to do things and I failed. They're impossible. I can't do them. Will you save me? I've been heading the wrong way. It's a way on my own. And I want to make a spiritual U-turn. And I want to head back the right way. Do you have the spirit? And you might be thinking, okay, I have the Spirit working in my life, but I've never taken that step to be baptized and to make this confession that I want my life to, I want to live my life and love people in my life like Jesus did. Maybe you want to be baptized. And then finally, I think the final question we need to think about is, what's that impossible dream? Maybe you gave up on, maybe just starting to grow in the back of your mind and you think, no, I could never do that. What's impossible with man is possible. God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for coming and dying in our place. And God, we're so grateful that you came back to life. You fundamentally changed the rules of the universe. Anything is possible now. We're so grateful that we can know you, that we can be a part of your plan, a part of your story. And God, I pray that you will remind us that you are a, a impossible God. You're a God who does miracles like they're mundane. And God, I pray that you would encourage people. I pray that you would draw people to yourself. If there's anyone here who said, you know what? I've been trying to live life on my own, and I, it just hasn't been working out. I desperately need Jesus. But I pray that they'll pray right now. And maybe even they'll come up and tell me and just let me know that they've said, you know what? I'm done doing life on my own. I want to do life with Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray all these things in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen.